and you're looking for the results and the experience. You want to know what are, what tangible and intangible results they've had from working with you and what was it like for them. So this is kind of what we think of as a traditional feedback conversation is the one after everything's done. And it's important, but it's not the whole thing. Tracking your time might be a pain in the butt, but it's a pretty straightforward data point. So is looking at your profit and loss. But what about all the rest of the information in your business? All those murky, squishy, qualitative data points? Where do you even start? I'm Susan Bowles, and you're listening to Break the Ceiling, the show where we break down unconventional strategies you can use to save time, boost your profit, and increase your operational capacity. In the last episode, I talked to Rob Howard about his one metric to measure growth, and it was all about quantitative data, the numbers, the hard evidence. Now, I love me some numbers, but not all data in your business is like that. There's a lot of information rolling around in there that's helpful to measure, but maybe it's a little squishy. You can't really measure it in the same way. Like talking to your customers. How do they feel about your service? About you? What's happening in their businesses when they reach out to you? What do they think you do versus what do you think you do? All of that information comes in handy when you're trying to update your messaging, write your copy, or just simply figure out how to improve your customer service. It's crucial data floating around out there. But how can you harness it and then actually use it? My guest today does just that. Karen Kelbaugh is a squishy data specialist. She helps small business owners learn what their clients think by capturing their stories. Owners get feedback and insights into their clients' dreams and frustration and their exact wording that describes it all. In other words, it's research you can use. Karen and I talk about how to collect all that squishy goodness and get it into a usable form that's easy to keep up to date, but can also be a secret weapon in your pocket. Hi, Karen. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. So you're a little bit of an expert when it comes to talking to clients and getting feedback from them, getting testimonials, turning those into case studies. That's really your wheelhouse. So can you tell me a little bit about how you approach client feedback in your business or with your clients? Sure. Um, I would like to start with the word feedback. Um, it tends to freak people out sometimes. <laughs> um, so I just like to remind everyone that feedback is just one kind of information. And in the case of feedback, I like to think you're collecting perspectives and because people can experience the same thing in completely different ways. So collecting their perspectives, it helps paint a more accurate picture of what's really going on with your business and your services. So kind of like think about it that way. <laughs> um, but I come at it from a more of a whole system perspective. I have a background in nonprofit evaluation and they love systems. <laughs> Social workers love systems. And versus just, I think a lot of people think about feedback as just getting stuff at the end and yep. going through the whole process and then, okay, so how'd that go? I have no idea how that went. What did you think? T tell me the things. So, so tell me all the things. So um, as as you know, I might have written up a client data lifecycle. Which I love. Um, just to kind of explain how to approach this. And um, this is based off of tons of other kinds of similar feedback systems where you're trying to look at all the different aspects of things and then evaluate it and improve it, right? Um, the what I've basically come up with is like four different 
parts of the cycle. And for each part, there's kind of like, what's the main goal? And what type of data are we collecting here? And what's the purpose of the data? So do you want me to go through them? <laughs> jump yeah, right yeah, in, yeah. jump right in. The jump in. End? Okay. So at the beginning, so like just picture you've got a new client coming in, right? You are about to have a sales call or whatever it is. And um, the first thing you're doing is assessing the client's needs. So assess is number one. You're determining their needs. And the kind of data you would be collecting here is baseline data. It's their before picture. And so the way that shows up in your actual business is the conversation you have on the sales call or you know their get to know you call or your intake form or the email they send you through your contact form that says, hey, I need help with this. Right. So that's and it doesn't have to be this big, complicated plan. It's the kind of thing that can just fit into your business as it is already happening. And um, but so that's that's number one. You're just like, OK, so what's the before picture? And then we move on from there to the part of the cycle that I just call monitor. And that's when you're actually delivering the service or the product. And the type of data you collect here is your the nerdy version is process and output data. <laughs> but <laughs> what, what it really is, is you're tracking the activities. What's actually going on? Do you know, do you have four group calls scheduled or what, you know, whatever it is, what are the actual processes of delivering the service or the product? Okay. And then the purpose of this data is to like, you're asking the questions, is the process working? Is it working for you? Is it working for them? Are you trouble, you know, what are you troubleshooting? Like they're like, Hey, I can't figure out how to do this one part. Say you're in the, say you've got a course, right? You've sold a course and at whatever, I forget what they're called module. It's a module, right? Like module number three, everyone's having trouble because hmm. you're getting all this feedback from people. We don't understand this part of the assignment. And then you're like, Oh, we need to clarify that. Or you help them figure it out. And now you've learned that that's where everyone gets stuck. Yep. And so you've gotten some feedback in the middle. It's like, oh, okay, we can adjust this and improve this for everyone going forward, right? Yeah. Um, and then things like, is this what they expected? Are you delivering what they bought, right? You know, that kind of stuff. And just a chance to check in with them along the way. So that that's kind of like the main bulk. Those two pieces are the main bulk of the actual, how you would evaluate and get feedback while you are delivering the service. Okay. And then after that is my favorite part, you keep going, this is where everyone drops off, um, is the follow-up. And that's where either you've just finished delivering the product or it's been a while, depending on the nature of the service. Like if it's something that takes a while to, to work, mm -hmm. um, like say you've done like SEO help, that, that stuff's not immediate, that takes time, right? So you check in after two, three months and you're like, okay, how's it going? And this is where you're coming up with the after picture. And you're looking for the results and the experience. You want to know what are, what tangible and intangible results they've had from working with you and what was it like for them? So this is kind of what we think of as a traditional feedback conversation is the one after everything's done. And it's important, but it's not the whole thing. It doesn't give you the whole picture, just... It doesn't give you the whole picture. And then the one after that that no one else thinks about that's probably more of just me, but... <laughs> is um is update so say you've gone through this whole process right and you've looked at all the their experience how they went from their before picture to their after picture 
what went well, what didn't go well during the process part. And then you check in with them again later and you can say, hey, thanks to your feedback, I was able to make these adjustments to my services. So I, like, I really appreciate you giving me that feedback. And then you can also, it gives you an opportunity to continue your relationship with them, to ask for referrals, to just say, hey, can I be of service of you to you in any other way? So it's kind of a more of a relationship building piece, mm -hmm. but that's really important. I really think people overlook that part of it, but that's kind of the whole cycle. And then it starts again because they're like, there is a way you can help me. I have this other problem now. And you're like, oh, okay, well, let's start back at the top of the cycle. So, <laughs> I love that. So it's my big nerdy daily life cycle. So. I love your nerdy life cycle. <laughs> I'm a nerd too. So in real life, kind of what does that cycle look like for somebody looking to kind of put this into practice in their own consulting business or at their own agency, what, what kind of steps would you recommend? How do they, how do they implement that kind of thing? Well, like one of the other things that, um, and I've had this conversation with a lot of people where they say, well, I have this data, but I don't use it. Or I, it feels like a lot of work to get all this information. And what I like to remind people is that we get feedback all day, every day. Like we're humans, we get feedback on everything. We get feedback on whether the recipe we made tastes good or not. We get all kinds of feedback and we're used to synthesizing it quickly and integrating it into our lives and moving on. So I like to let people think about the fact, what are you already doing in your business that actually counts as feedback? Like, are you getting, like, like I said at the beginning, are you getting intake forms? Are you having sales conversations? That's already feedback. And are you checking in with your clients once a week to see how things are going? That's feedback because they're giving you, Hey, it's going well. I need help with this. I need help with that. And then are you following up with them at the end? You are probably doing most of the things you need to be doing to get that feedback. You're just not systematizing it and, and keeping a record of it so that then you can reference it later. So um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Um, so say you've got a consulting business and you're doing all of those things, right? You've got an intake form. Um, I know, I don't know if you know Heidi Taylor. I don't. She is master intake form <laughs> queen of making it a good sales tool and making it extremely effective and well done. Like she's, she's brilliant. And she does reviews on Wednesday on Instagram. So anybody, Heidi Taylor, go follow her. Um, but so you get that intake form, are you putting that in, are you just shoving it into a Google folder when you're done? Like, what are you doing with that information when you get it? Could you be putting it into GASP, an Excel document <laughs> or Airtable, if you're me, um, and keeping it in track so that you can then look across multiple clients. How did everyone answer this question? How did everyone answer this question? Um, so just simple things like taking the information you're already getting and putting it all in one place so that you can look at it collectively and learn from it. So let's talk about that. How, okay. how do you approach collecting your data? What tools are you using? How, how do you approach really getting that all into one place? Um, okay. So my favorite tool for this most of the time is Airtable which if you're not familiar with it, it's like 
if Excel and Microsoft Access had a baby and it were pretty and it connected to the internet. And it like, worked well. <laughs> and then it worked well. I hate access. <laughs> I hate access. Access is like a dark tunnel. Like it, you just go down dark tunnels and you never know how to get back out. It's one of those where it was so useful when it like, when it came out. When it, it was, was the only the option. Amazing, this amazing thing that now I'm like, it just feels so cumbersome when you have something like Airtable that's so flexible and easy. Exactly. So, um, the, but the way I use Airtable, um, is I basically have, I create like a feedback toolbox is what I call mine. And then you can have multiple tables on there, but it collects lots of different types of data on one sheet, which is the best part. It's not just, oh, you can have a bunch of numbers and you can have a bunch of words. It's, I can have my client and then all of their contact information. And then I can have a second sheet that links to it because it's a relational database. <laughs> Yay. And on the second sheet might be just quotes from them. So I might have a screen grab from something they said on social media that was nice about me. Um, or I might have a quote from an email where they reacted to something I sent them. Like this might be in the general, and I would, and then on the next line, I would categorize that as like quotes or testimonials. And then you can categorize the data that you put into there. So trying to think, um, so a typical thing like I would do for a client or when I'm gathering data from one of my own clients is I would do an interview and then I would get that interview transcribed. And then the other tool that I use is we're going full nerd here, qualitative coding, <laughs> which is basically going through and categorizing the text in a document, or for me, it would be a transcript. So I'll go through and the tool I use is Dovetail and it's pretty, they're geared more towards like larger organizations with research departments, but it works well for me um, because it lets you upload and copy and paste a transcript and then I can highlight things and then tag mm. all over the place. I just finished a like 40 hour qualitative coding job on a big project. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm fully in there, but I go through and I, tag them as if I'm thinking like a copywriter or thinking like a marketer who wants to be able to use this going forward. So I might go through and tag a transcript with things like problem, benefits, struggle, quotables. Like if there's just a zinger of a quote that you're like, oh, this needs to be somewhere. Like this is too good. And so I'll like, you know, tag that, like these are really good quotables. Or this one talks about the experience they had working with me. Right. So then I put all that data into Airtable and when it's time to write copy or in a deal, an ideal world, send it to my copywriter who can then go, oh, you've done all the research. You have all the information I need to write your sales page. Perfect. That sounds. Does that answer your question? <laughs> that does. That sounds like a, a fabulous way where if somebody were going to maybe not go deep into transcripts, but you know, kind of get a basic start of how do they start tracking this thing? What, what would you suggest? Just Airtable and start grabbing some, grabbing some quotes from your emails. Where, where do they start? I would start, um, there's a couple different ways. Like if you're just like brand new to it and you don't have anything that's collecting any data right now at all, either Excel, Excel totally functions perfectly fine or, or Google Sheets. Um, can work really well. Like if you have a form, for instance, 
that you're collecting information on, you can connect that to a table software, right? So you have an intake form, you can do that for Airtable, you can also do that for pretty much every form out there, um, Google, whatever. And just start something where you can keep track of your clients, you can keep track of what they've said at the beginning. Um, so if you've got any sort of intake stuff at all, even if it's just your notes about what they said, and then anything that's happening during in terms of like the middle of the project and then follow up information. So even if it's just uh, like, for example, I have a friend who um, is starting a new kind of program. And we literally just had this conversation today and she's like, I don't want to deal with spreadsheets. I just have Google docs. How do I do this? And so I was like, you can have your Google doc. And so she has like maybe four calls with clients, right? And she's got this whole cohort of people. And so she just goes in after every call and makes her notes. And then she's got a VA who's going to take her notes and put them into her Excel spreadsheet. And so she'll be able to look at, all right, call number one. This is what everybody, what my notes were about call number one. And here's call number two. So it can just be simple as Airtable or Excel spreadsheet that's got whatever you are getting from them right now and putting it in one place. So you copy and paste something out of an email. Um, if you want to get a little fancy, <laughs> I did this for, I did this for a client. They wanted to consolidate their feedback so that they could send it to their marketing department. And it was all over the place. Like it was buried deep into Google Drive somewhere over here and it was sitting in the email files. And so they just wanted to consolidate it. So we built them an Airtable that coincidentally linked with their type form feedback survey. After every client finished a class, they had to do a feedback survey and that fed into their Airtable. So they had all of their feedback survey data in one place. And then we created a separate table that was how to record um, client, any client feedback received at all. And that, and then they put like a, basically a little bookmark on their browser and anytime anyone in the whole business got a piece of feedback from somebody, they could open up that form, enter in the feedback, tag what kind of feedback it was, and it would go into the table where all the feedback lived. Nice. So yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about maybe some stuff that you've measured that maybe you tracked and you realized it didn't matter or data you specifically <laughs> avoid collecting. Um, talk to me about some of the mistakes that comes with collecting this kind of qualitative data. The biggest thing I think in terms of mistakes is just collecting it when you don't have a purpose for it. Um, so it's more about intention than content. Um, because once you're talk when you're talking to people, there's always something useful in there. I mean, cause they're giving you context and all of it gives you kind of a bigger picture and that you can work with. But if you're collecting data and you don't have a, a reason to collect <laughs> the data, like you don't have a goal, like what am I trying to learn from this? Then what gen generally tends to happen is that you just waste a lot of time because you're just collecting stuff, but you're not actually looking at it and you're not making use of it. So it's less, I, got, I don't know, I don't feel like mistakes are failing to act on the data versus okay. collecting the wrong stuff. If I could twist your question to my will and make it go over here. <laughs> 
So let's talk about what are good uses for the data. So once you have this, once you've collected it, what should people be doing with it? How frequently should they be, you know, if they've got stuff automated from their forms and it's all dumping into one place, how frequently should mm -hmm. they be looking at that? And what should they be looking for? How should they use that to drive decisions or drive choices? Absolutely. Well, I, it depends on like the nature of your business. If you've got something where you launch programs and it's kind of got an, an easy start and end point to each section, then that one's kind of self-explanatory. You know, you get it and you go through and then you have a reflecting period after you've delivered the program where you can go back and review everything, make adjustments for the next round, right? Yep. Um, so that one's pretty easy. When you've got something that's more ongoing, um, I, I would recommend at least quarterly because I know we all get really, really busy delivering our services. Um, but... I would say at least quarterly, just checking in and you're, you're going to go in there once you, once you realize how much, how useful all that data is, you'll go in there more often. So anytime you are trying to fill up your social media feed with content, right? You're trying to plan out your next three months of social media posts and you need quotes from your clients or questions to answer in email, you go back to that content. And you're like, well, this is what my clients are talking about. These are what they said their problems were. These were all their quotables <laughs> that they said I could use, right? So you end up, once you realize kind of the, the gold mine that is in that data pile, <laughs> you end up going more often. But in terms of just reviewing how everything's going, am I on the right track? Are there, are there problems that I maybe didn't notice because I was so busy delivering everything? I just want to review do I need to follow up with people? It's also, you know, it's kind of a thing where you go back and you're like, oh, you know, Jill said she was going to be working on this next. I should check in with her and see how it's going. So there's all kinds of things that lead, that happen after you go back and review it. But I would definitely say at least quarterly. Okay. So how have you seen this type of collection and review? How have you seen that impact actual businesses, you know, what, what are the results of kind of taking the initiative to follow the, the feedback lifecycle and actually do all of these touch points? How have you seen it impact either your business or a client's business? Talk to me about the impact. Yeah. So it's the tricky thing about, and I will say this, it is hard to do this a hundred percent awesome all the time. Most people you know, it takes a long time to kind of build this in to where it's something we automatically do because it, it is a new kind of way of approaching your business. You know, most of us are just trying to like, okay, I just need more clients. I need to do my job. I'm here, you know, you're, you're putting out a million fires. Um, so it can take time to actually implement all of this stuff and to remember to look at it and remember that it's there and, and all of that. Um, some of the immediate benefits though of starting to approach feedback gathering and information gathering from your clients like this is that it sets the expectation at the beginning of your relationship with them that this is how you do business and so it's it's probably more of a relationship benefit to start than anything else because 
you, you know, you're like, okay, I'm going to do this whole thing and I'm going to collect stuff and we're going to have check-ins. And then you tell them that when you're starting, you're like, okay, so I want to make sure that you're having a good experience throughout this whole process. So we're going to do a a monthly check-in call. That's not about the work we're doing, but just to see if you are, you know, if your experience is going okay, if there's any feedback you have for me, anything you need help with. And then you go and you execute that throughout the plan. You're like, oh, and we're also going to have, you know, at least one kind of debrief or a follow-up call after we're done just to make sure you've got all your questions answered and, and everything like that. So you set that expectation from the beginning, then they have that expectation that you're receptive to feedback and care about their experience. And so from the start, it, it builds trust with them that you are the kind of person who cares enough to measure this stuff all throughout and that you're kind of more working together towards mutual success instead of just you sold them something, you're going to deliver it and be done. So from the very beginning, that's kind of like the immediate benefit is that expectation. It also helps remove the awkward for all of my wonderful friends who hate asking for feedback. So that leads directly into my next question (laughs) um, about format for feedback. You know, have you found Mm -hmm. um, differences in like sending them, you know, a form that they can just type into and submit versus doing in-person interviews versus having somebody else ask the questions for you? Have you Mm -hmm. found that there's a way that's better or I, I know for all of us, like asking for feedback is really difficult. And I think it's sometimes very difficult for people to be completely honest with us when they have to say it right to our faces, especially if it's not so great. Like it's one thing if they're like, oh, you're fabulous or amazing. It's a lot harder to tell somebody like, hey, the project didn't go exactly the way that I wanted it to. And I would have liked you to do X, Y, Z. Right. Yes. Um, we are and we're all like terrified that and convinced that all feedback is going to be this horrible, <laughs> like, oh my gosh, like they're going to like, no, they're not going to, they're not going to throw you under the bus. Most of the time, you can usually see that stuff coming red flags way earlier in your relationship with them. So there are multiple ways to collect feedback. And I think they all have their place. I knew you were going to be like, it depends. <laughs> what Tara's favorite answer for things. It depends. So I think the third party piece it's definitely good if you're not used to collecting feedback and you kind of need to ease into it. Having someone else do some initial interviews for you can definitely introduce you to, okay, this is what they said, and now we can discuss it without you having to be there and not react. And especially if you're very, and I know we're all emotionally attached to our businesses, but if you're really emotionally attached to the content you put out or the service you delivered and you're just afraid that someone's going to tell you your baby is ugly and you're like, I can't handle this. It's, it can be really helpful to have a third party do that because they're impartial. They're going to ask, they're going to keep digging when someone says something potentially negative, they're going to go tell me more about that. And they're going to get to the bottom of the story. Whereas you might just run away screaming and change the subject. So third party interviews, and research definitely have their place in getting more information than you might have dug for yourself. And it eliminates any awkwardness in 
telling what people were really thinking. So that one, especially if you're just like, I don't want to do this, you can hire somebody <laughs> else. And a lot of my clients have done, mean, that's what I'm here. I'm doing it. And then they, they see the data and we go through it and they'll watch the videos and read the transcripts and they'll be like, oh, I just got some popcorn and just watched people talk, said nice things about me for two hours. I was like, yeah, isn't it nice? <laughs> it's really not that scary. Um, and so some people, it's just the time intensiveness, you know, it takes a lot of time to do that kind of stuff and they don't want to slow down and do it. And it helps relieve any awkward feelings and apprehension. So that one's really good for that, but we can totally do it ourselves. I have done my own interviews. It can be weird at first, but when you realize that the information you're getting, it's not really about you. It's about them and their situation. This is their perspective of how your business helped them. And they're working through their business and their life. And once you start to really internalize that awareness, it becomes, you feel more like a journalist who's digging for a story and less like someone who's getting reviewed at like a job review or something, right? Yep. And then in terms of surveys and forms, they can be really useful, but it totally depends on the volume of your clients. So if one way to start that is maybe talk to a few people in person and do interviews, and then you kind of get a better sense of what questions you could ask of everyone else that would give you the same information. And then you can create a form that you could send out to the rest of your clients that will get you basically, you know, congruent answers or all the kind of information you need from everyone else, but you don't actually have to talk to everyone else. So you do a little bit of qualitative and then you send out that form that can get the large volume of information. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So before we kind of wrap up this conversation, is there anything you think we should talk about that we haven't yet? Hmm. Okay. So you talked earlier about like what metrics I track for my business or, you know, mistakes I've made or anything like that. And I've thought about like one of, if there were going to be a thing that I tracked qualitatively that mattered the most to my business, and that would be, um, what triggers people to, for me, when my business, what triggers people to need data, like, and like when they, when they realized, oh, I need testimonials or, oh, I need to talk to my clients or, you know, what is it the thing that triggered them to need that? And that has helped me focus my efforts on talking to those people. So in terms of things I've learned from my own clients over time, and then I can use that to inform my marketing and focus what I'm doing. So does that make sense? I'm sorry. That, that makes sense. Weird. So, you know, for your specific business, it really matters when the, the trigger for people to hire you is they need data all of a sudden. They need this qualitative data. They're redoing their website or they, and they all of a sudden need new case studies or they need testimonials or they're launching a new program. And so those that's the piece that for you is the most important is really what is going on in their business that prompts them to hire you. Right. And that's to need your kinds of services. Right. And that's the kind of thing that you can get from the interviews with your clients. So when you're having your sales call and they're all saying, okay, this happened. And then I realized I need coaching help with this. This happened. And then I realized I need help with this. So that's something that you can track as part of that assessing phase. And you can look at over the 
like aggregate look over your clients and you're like, okay, here's a trend. You know, all of these people are going through this situation before they need me. And that's something that you can pull out of it and use for marketing, for copy, for talking to potential new clients. I love that. So, all right. So where can our listeners find you if they want to connect or learn more? They can find me on my website, which is heykaren.com, H-E-Y-K-A-R-Y-N. And um, I'm on Instagram, hey.karen. Um, we are starting a podcast. My wonderful colleague, Maggie Hodgequan, um, who is also a researcher, and I are just starting a new podcast that nerds out even more about data, and it's called Just Enough Data. And Which I love. That's my favorite title for a podcast ever, I think. Oh, that makes me happy. Um, and we dive right in. Um, our first kind of mini season, we're just experimenting with formats right now. So our first kind of mini season block is all about what is stopping you from collecting data, which is a lots of different kinds of fear. And so we yes. jump right into like fear of judgment. So, so when is the podcast be- launching? I'm hoping it will be launching at, in March, right alongside Woo-hoo. Brene Brown. It's going to be great. <laughs> <laughs> no competition. No big deal. She's also a social worker who loves qualitative data. It's meant to be. It's meant it to be. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you for nerding out with me. Collecting qualitative data about your clients doesn't have to be hard or complicated. It's something that you can integrate into every part of your process, from getting a baseline to figuring out the impact of your service. Like Karen said, it can be something as simple as a Google Doc with some quotes in there, or as robust as an Airtable database that has categorized tags. Either approach gets you some really valuable information direct from your clients about how to pitch yourself and where you can pack even more value into what you're delivering. Next week, I'll talk to Kathleen Shannon from Braid Creative about her approach to measuring growth and how she builds space for growth to happen in her business and her planning process. So make sure you hit subscribe in your favorite podcast player so you don't miss it. Growing your business can cause a lot of problems. If you're only focused on adding new clients to your roster, you can quickly get underwater. Your time gets stretched thin, your quality goes down, and your results suffer. That's why measuring growth is about so much more than how many new clients you want to work with or how much revenue you want to add to the top line. I can help you understand growth from every angle, financial and operational. My goal is for you to strategically and sustainably grow your business and still leave the office at 3 p.m. to take your kids to the park because having a life is actually kind of fun. So here's how it works. First, we complete a growth blueprint. That lays out exactly what you need to do to make growth possible for your company again. It's a deep dive into your business operations and financial health. And together we'll go over your business goals and your vision for the future of the business. Then we'll map out where you're getting stuck and figure out which parts of your system are blocking your growth. Then we'll enter the ramp up phase. I'll get to work setting up the necessary foundations to fix your business. This often includes implementing new software, defining your processes, and starting to make changes. Then finally, we enter the growth advisory and continual improvement phase. This is where the real magic happens. I'll handle your finances and software systems so you can focus on selling into your new capacity and giving your clients the best possible service. 
With a continual focus on improving and streamlining, your business will be able to handle whatever you can throw at it. Ready to learn more? I'd love to learn about your business and where you're stuck when it comes to growth. Shoot me an email. I'm Susan at scalespark.co and we'll set up a time to talk. I'd love to help you plan for strategic and sustainable growth without sacrificing your time, your quality, or your results. Break the Ceiling is produced by Yellow House Media. Our production coordinator is Sean McMullen. This episode was edited by Marty Seafeld with production assistance by Kristen Runvik.